Welcome back, everybody, to another Vince August podcast. Coming to you live from my home office, having survived the blizzard of 2015 named Juno. Um, I have to laugh right off the bat at the comments on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, and the people going back and forth about this storm or lack thereof. And, uh, you know, I've been really, I'm, I'm talking about Twitter, Facebook, my Facebook friends are, you know, having some fun with it with me. Um, but some of the social media stuff and the, the anger that I'm seeing in some people and their posts, it's absolutely amazing at how we've just really lost a sense of humor uh, in this country. And people just seem to be so angry. For those of you who are listening internationally or from across the country and don't know, I live in Bergen County, New Jersey, and we were just the target and epicenter of what was supposed to be a historic storm. We were supposed to be slammed with two to three feet of snow. And uh, for the last, I would say, 24 to 36 hours, there was a lot of news coverage um, surrounding this storm and the way to prepare for it. For the last two days, shopping stores, uh, you know, food stores, have been swamped with people buying groceries for fear that they would be locked in. There were lines at gas stations, people getting gas for power generators because there was an anticipation that trees would be get branches would get so heavy from the the snow weight and with the wind that the branches could come down, knock out power. Um, you know, our neighbor went up to the to their cabin, um, figuring, hey, listen, if we're going to be snowed in for a couple of days, you know what, we're Let's get out of harm's way and go somewhere else. Um, left us a key to their house in case we lost power. I mean, everyone was just looking out for each other and doing all kinds of things. And for the most part, the storm missed. It did hit some parts of Long Island pretty hard. But for the most part, it it really missed. I, I think we got anywhere between five to like eight inches of snow in my area. Very, very manageable. Uh, the roads are cleared. But a lot of work and a lot of stuff was shut down. I, I had a show get canceled last night at Caroline's. As all of Broadway in New York City was shut down. Uh, sporting events, Nick game, professional sporting events canceled. School closed. Um, so th- this was a big thing. Now, there's a couple things that I want to have, I, I want to bring attention to and, and you know, have some fun with and have a serious conversation about. Let's let's do the serious one first, and then we can get back to the fun. Um, Mayor de Blasio, Governor Cuomo, um, and Governor Christie, and I believe the governor in Connecticut, declared states of emergency in all of the state of New Jersey, New York, parts of New York that were affected, uh, certain counties, parts of Connecticut, Long Island. And what a state of emergency effectively does is it shuts down businesses. It keeps you and prevents you from going out onto the road. Basically, the roads are 
to be used by emergency personnel only. So that, that's what the effect of a state of emergency is. It's, you know what, stay off the roads. We need the roads as state employees in order to ensure the safety and safe passage of all vehicles. Okay, great. It happened during Superstorm Sandy for obvious reasons. Uh, it was very dangerous traveling out there, branches. In fact, they closed Central Park in New York City last night, and the reason they did that was because, again, Snow accumulates on branches, branches snap, you're in the park, sleigh riding, next thing you know, a branch is killing a kid. And the main reason all of this stuff occurs is, one, and it it goes to one of my careers, being a lawyer, liability, negligence. The state, city, county, whatever it may be, is trying to protect themselves from a lawsuit. Period. End of story. This is about ensuring safety and taking all necessary steps so that someone doesn't get hurt and then turn around and blame city, county, state. You know what? It's your job to protect us. And I can get into the legalities and and get really specific as to, you know, tort claims act and, and certain um, things you can't sue the government about and immunities. I'm not going to do that. But that, this is basically the crux of what all of this is about, keeping you safe and keeping them safe from litigation and being sued and, and everything else. Okay, so one of the things that Mayor de Blasio did that I found very interesting was he shut down all bridges and tunnels in and out of New York City. Now, for those of you, again, who are listening overseas or because you know, this Potomatic is, is worldwide, Manhattan Island is just that. It's an island. And the only way on and off this island is go over a bridge, go through a tunnel or take a ferry. It's a complete island. I understand the bridge thing. They were expecting high winds, um, dangerous winds. And, you know, you're on a bridge. It's windy. It's snowing. It's icy. Um, you know, you slide off. You crash into the bridge. Potentially slide off the bridge, which is very difficult for a motor vehicle. Um, not so difficult, maybe for a Mack truck or a tractor trailer truck to do it. Okay, I get the bridge thing. Someone is going to have to explain the tunnel thing to me. I don't understand the tunnel thing. I don't understand. Why you would shut down the Lincoln and Holland Tunnel with regards to not being able to go in and out of? Um, I, I can't anticipate what the potential dangers are. It's obviously not, not wind. Um, it's obviously not ice and snow. The tunnel's insulated from weather. Uh, someone's going to have to explain that one to me. Here's another one. There are tunnels that go in and out of New York City that are strictly train tunnels, path train. Um, there are path trains that go in and out. Someone's going to have to explain shutting down path service in and out of New York City. Now, here's why I'm getting to all of this. Forget about getting emergency personnel home. Forget about keeping people at home and safe. By shutting down all the bridges and tunnels in and out of New York City, you've essentially isolated everybody on New York City as stuck 
on Manhattan Island. You can't get in or out. And, you know, everyone was making, and I posted something about that on Facebook, and people were saying it's, it's like the movie Escape from New York from the 80s. John Carpenter did this movie Escape from New York. Kurt Russell played this actor, Snake Plissken, and the whole thing is New York City was turned into a prison and you couldn't get in and out. But all joking aside, you've basically quarantined people onto an island and said you can't come or go. Now, again, I'm not going to get dramatic about this. You're talking about an island that pretty much has everything and anything you could ever want, need, or ask for in the world. It's not like those people are on Gilligan's Island. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, what is the constitutionality? What is the legal right? What is the parameters a mayor can have to restrict movement of people in and out of New York City? And I I wonder if there is some type of legal right that allows him to do it. I wonder if there's some type of constitutional right that prohibits someone like the mayor from issuing that type of order. Now, he is the mayor of New York City. He certainly has the right to issue a state of emergency, I would assume. But I don't know that he can restrict movement of people on an island that are simply there because of travel purposes, business work purposes, or something else. So, for example, I work, I live in New Jersey, I work in New York City, and I'm at work and I have to get a project done. And I get my project done um, on Monday night when the storm is hitting, and you issue a warning or a mandate saying no more travel in and out of New York City. And I get my work done at, you know, 10 o'clock and at 10.01, this order hits. And I basically am not allowed to leave Manhattan Island to get home to my family, to get to my home. I'm wondering if that's even legal. I don't know if you can constitutionally do that and prevent someone from traveling home. Now, listen, that person... Certainly can't take a cab, can't take a bus, can't take a train. That's all restricted. But what if that person went to, say, go and rent a car? You know what? I'm going down the block. I'm going to Hertz. Hertz, I want to rent a car. I want to drive myself back to New Jersey. Can that order prevent Hertz from renting a vehicle to that individual saying, you know what? I can't rent you the car. What do you mean you can't rent me the car? Yeah, the mayor of New York has put in an executive order saying that there's no motor vehicles that can be used on the roadways during this state of emergency. And by me renting you a vehicle, I violate the law because I'm, I'm giving you permission to use my vehicle during this state of emergency. And if something happens to you, I am liable because I gave you the means in which to carry out this use of a vehicle and I could be found liable of some criminal act. Then you driving the vehicle, you could be found liable of a criminal act. 
And then you could sue me saying, but for the fact that you rented me the vehicle, I couldn't have broken the law. And, and I hope the listeners, if you're listening to this, you understand where I'm going here. It's basically like selling a gun to someone illegally. You know what? I sold you the gun. You didn't have a right to buy that gun legally. You went and killed someone. Ultimately, I'm responsible for the death. I'm an accomplice to that murder because I illegally sold you a gun. I'm wondering what the legalities are for something like that. I I don't know, but I'm hoping as a listener, you're sitting out there saying to yourself, yeah, but really, you know, can you prevent Hertz from doing it? Or is Hertz automatically bound by your mandate as a mayor and their business is restricted? And again, what is the constitutional ramifications of that? Can a mayor get away with it? Can a governor get away with it? Can anyone get away with it? And for how long can you do it? And is it just under this public safety exception? Because there is this thing under the law called the public safety exception that you can take certain steps and limit certain people's rights based on a public safety exception. Now, let's say the person happens to have their own car and they get in their car and we, we take the hurt situation out of it. You know what? I parked in my parking garage. And I'm at work and I go to leave the parking garage and the person working the gate at the parking garage says, I can't let you out. And you say, well, why not? Well, there's a state of emergency that says no vehicles are allowed on the road. And me sitting here as an attendant in a garage by me letting you go out on the road, I am giving you permission to violate an executive order, I am basically trumping Governor Mayer's order by letting your car onto the roadway. I'm not going to do that. I am not going to violate the law. So sorry, sir. You are hereby stuck in this garage. Now the question becomes, is that person violating the law? Is that Does that become a false imprisonment? Or does that person then turn around and say, I have the authority to falsely detain someone when the mayor or governor issues an executive order saying no one's allowed on the road, that order now empowers me to make sure no cars leave this garage after a certain time until this state of emergency is lifted. I I really don't know the answer to this question, and, and I'm throwing it out there just to kind of show people that when, you know, someone in, in politics, like a mayor or a governor, issues a state of emergency, it really has a lot of ramifications and it affects a lot of people and it grants potentially authority to certain people to do certain things that they would normally not be legally entitled to do. It restricts rights of other people over the freedom of simply traveling from one place to another. Now, you say, okay, well, what's the big deal then? Have the person sleep in their office that night, and for their own safety, they can go home the next day when the emergency's lifted, and they'll be fine. Listen, I'm, I'm not getting into all of that. I understand there's certain needs and reasons you have to have safety precautions in to protect the public. I get that. I really do. What I'm saying is, you know, that is a far reaching statement, though, that 
again, look, look at what you just did for the parking garage attendant. You gave him the right to prevent anyone from traveling in and out of his garage, uh, mainly out of the garage. Um, with the situation for the, the Hertz guy, you restricted his business capacity where he can no longer rent vehicles. Um, now, let, let's take it one step further. The person gets in their car. They parked on the street that night. They get in their car and they drive home. Now, in our situation, for example, we did not get hit with this storm the way it was. This person is driving home in what could be easily deemed a normal snowfall. The person, as they are driving home, is now pulled over and given a summons for operating a, v a motor vehicle that is non-emergent during a state of emergency, and they're hit with a summons. It could be a Title 39 motor vehicle summons. It could be a 2C summons in the state of New Jersey criminal violation. And as it turns out, this storm was not the superstorm they expected, anticipated, and it winds up being no worse than any snowfall we can have on any random day. Does that person now have a, a defense in court to say the governor, mayor, whomever that issued the state of emergency overreacted to misinformation from a third party weather source and because they relied on misinformation, because the information they were relying upon was not scientific, was not actual or factual, I now have a defense to this criminality because it, in fact, the government created a state of emergency that did not exist. And now you've subject me to criminal loss or criminal prosecution when there should have never been this situation to begin with. I think I'm raising real interesting questions here. And again, it's a question about how far reaching the government could get in certain situations and whether or not you have to actually wait for the event that creates the state of emergency to hit first or whether you can rely upon scientific information such as a radar uh, a weather radar a weather satellite that would empower someone and give someone that type of power to basically violate or restrict i should say certain constitutional rights now we, we just did it with the person going home and, you know, using their own car. Let's take it one step further. I am a resident of a foreign country here visiting. So I'm here from Germany and I'm visiting New York City on a vacation or I'm here visiting New York City for work purposes. And you issue a state of emergency attempting to keep me off the roads. And again, I, I rented a car, I parked it in the street and you issued a state of emergency and I get in my car and I go to drive. As a non-United States citizen, 
and someone who's visiting from another country, can you violate my rights or restrict my rights to travel when my passport allows me to come to and from the United States and you know what? I got to get back. I got to get to another meeting. I got to get somewhere else. And you know what? I'm not a United States citizen. You can't restrict my movement in your country so long as I'm here legally. I am a legal person in your country as a visitor for vacation or work purposes. You know, where does the where do the rights go from a governor, mayor, whatever in our country to restrict that movement for a person who's not a United States citizen and is here for another purpose. I don't know. I, I think these are interesting questions. I think they throw out a scenario that, you know, a lot of people maybe didn't consider. Now, let, let's get into the more fun aspect of this and the more lighthearted aspect of it. Uh, we did not get the storm we were anticipating, and I have been having all kinds of fun with this on Facebook, um, on Twitter. I've been sending out tweets, um, you know, just just mocking the, the fact that we were supposed to get this big storm, and I'm doing it all in good fun. For example, one of the things I put up, you know, because when a storm hits, everyone runs out and gets milk and eggs and bread and all kinds of things. And I said, listen, since we don't have enough snow to have a snowball fight, can we use the eggs that we've all stockpiled instead and have an egg fight? They're white, kind of the same thing. Um, I, I tweeted to one of the weathermen, um, listen, we want to have an egg fight instead of a snowball fight since there's not enough snow. And the good news is you won't be the only one with egg on your face. Again, just looking to have fun. I, I put up a video clip from the movie The Prince's Bride where um, <laughs> there's, oh, what's his name? Indigo says to Vizzini, you keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. And I said, you know, my response to the weatherman using the word blizzard for the last three days. And, and I put up that clip. Um, what else did I have some fun with? Oh, then I put up a post. Everyone, I'm heading out there to shovel my family out. It may be a while with all of this snow before you hear from me again, but I will not stop until our property is cleared. Dot, 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 dot. And I'm back. Um, again, having fun with this. Um, and I, I saw a lot of people putting up posts on Twitter. So where is all this snow? You know, you guys blew this forecast. Now, listen, some people are truly upset about the fact that they missed work today. Now, you have to understand, there are people out there that had very important work events scheduled for Tuesday, January 27th, that maybe they had these events scheduled for a long time out. Okay, you don't know everyone's situation don't please never assume you know everyone's situation out there there could be people that had trials scheduled for you know a personal injury case for a person who maybe needed that money and this was their opportunity to get their trial heard and and finally recover for that injury there there could people there could be people that had their divorce case scheduled for today that they wanted to have some closure to their divorce. Um, 
you know, maybe they had a settlement panel conference and, and this was their opportunity to finally get their case settled with regards to a divorce or something else, anything else. Domestic violence hearings that were scheduled for today. There are people that are going through a lot of tra- traumatic events, and I'm just speaking from my legal background. There are people that maybe had surgeries scheduled for today. That, you know, I, I broke my leg once and I, I had a, a surgery scheduled and, you know, you, you wait 10 days on crutches before you can have your surgery. There are people that maybe had sc- surgery scheduled today that now their surgery is put off. Who knows? People that were going for chemo. My father was on dialysis for his kidneys. You know, he could have had dialysis scheduled for Tuesday. There were a lot of events and things that people could have had scheduled for Tuesday that were canceled because of this impending snowstorm. And the snowstorm got canceled. I'm sorry. And the event got canceled because of the snowstorm. And it turns out the snowstorm was not what everyone anticipated it to be. Okay? And because of that, they now have to reschedule what could be very important events in life. But they're no longer there and they have to be put off. And, you know, could be life-threatening for all we know. Could be very crucial to this person's existence. Stress-wise, whatever it may be, financially, emotionally, physically, a lot of things could be could have been scheduled that had to be canceled because of this impending snowstorm and the fact that the weatherman took a swing and missed on this thing big time in our area. Now, those people have a right to be frustrated. They have a right to express their frustration and say, you know what? I, I'm really ticked off at this. You guys predicted this snowstorm, and now this event is put off, and this was an important event in my life. Those people, they're entitled to be upset about this. The fact that there are people out there right now posting, I can't believe how many of you are complaining. I can't believe how many of you are whining. What a bunch of crybabies you are. We didn't get the snowstorm that we were supposed to get. Oh, my God, give the mayor a break, give the governor a break, give this person a break. They were looking out for our safety. Hey, listen, people have a right to complain. People have a right to be upset. The weathermen were wrong. People have a right to express frustration at the weathermen. Yes, they err on the side of caution. So we hope. So we think. I would like to believe that our news does not use a weather event to create an unnecessary emergency. But then again, our news takes a lot of events and overhypes them and makes them out to be bigger than what they are. Why? Because ultimately our news wants people to watch it. They sell commercials. It's about ratings. It's about getting more people to watch. So, you know, do are some storms maybe inflated in terms of their importance? I'm not going to put it past our media to do that. Do people have a right to be frustrated about the mistaken information, misinformation? Of course they do. And to automatically be angry at everyone and to automatically say, you know, you people, you're a bunch of crybabies, you're whiners, so we didn't get the storm, be thankful, 
you know, th- this could have put people out of their homes and people could have not have. Had- Listen, no one is complaining that we didn't get hit with the blizzard. That's not what people are complaining about. No one is complaining. You know what? I really wanted three feet of snow. We don't have it. And this is nonsense. And someone better dump snow on my front property right now. No, that's not what the complaint is. The complaint is, you know, we altered our life. And what could have been significant events, I'm not talking about kids not going to school for the day. I'm not talking about that. And I'm not talking about people that miss work for the day. There were worse things in life. You can always make up the pay. What I'm talking about is really big events in people's lives that were put off for this thing. They have a right to air that frustration. They have a right to be upset about that. Again, they're not mad that we didn't get the blizzard. They're mad that, you know what, you guys in the media and in weathermen, you know, you predicted this huge storm. We didn't get it. And now now I got to rearrange all of everything that I had planned for this day. I think that's reasonable. And listen, I'm against whining. I'm against complaining. I don't find that to be whining or complaining. I find that to be justified frustration. And the fact that some people are really lashing out at, oh my God, I can't believe everyone is, is so upset about this and get all, you know, come on, man, lighten up, lighten up. I, I think you're, you're thinking, I think your approach to this is so narrow minded. I think your, your vision is so narrow minded that you're not seeing potentially other bigger things, other bigger events that had to be put off because of this and the this wound up being nothing so you know what give people a break um with regards to again the back and forth on twitter and on facebook and on on just news stories in general with regards to something else that i've seen and it's the movie american sniper which I may have to go out and see it today, being a lot of things are shut down. I'm hoping there's a movie theater open somewhere. Maybe I can I can steal a couple hours and, and go do go catch up on this movie. I, I know the story about the soldier Chris Kyle that we're talking about here. Um I, I understand that there's two approaches to this right now. And the one approach is that this movie is somehow American propaganda and you know it's it's so weird in this country the our troops are held on on such an unbelievable platform by some that they can do no wrong no matter what the troops do they're risking their lives they can do no wrong and then there's this other view that you know we kind of are this worldwide cop, worldwide bully, and, you know, that this movie about this sniper is glorifying someone who murdered, you know, 160 people that we were at war with. And, you know, do we want to glorify that in light of the anger out there directed towards America right now by the the Muslim world and and you know the this whole Al Qaeda terrorism thing, with regards to the life of Chris Kyle, let's let's get this out there right now. 
the only reason Chris was a soldier, became a Navy SEAL, was because he enlisted, and that was the path he chose in life. Okay. The reason he was giving access to a situation in which he had to shoot these people, shoot to kill, was this sniper, was because we were involved in a war. With regards to the war in Iraq, I've, I've gone on record and, you know, it, it was a war we should not have been in. I don't think we should have ever left Iraq. I think we should have occupied Iraq and built infrastructure. Once you go in and commit to that situation and you realize you made a mistake, now it's your responsibility to fix the mistake by creating the infrastructure to help the people of Iraq now have access to the things that ultimately were destroyed in a war that took place on their land that was unjustified. We should have built schools. We should have constructed roads. We should have helped them set up this government. And we needed to stay there to make sure that terrorists wouldn't come in then and take away the things that we built. I'm sorry. That's my opinion. We should have never left Iraq. We should have occupied it. And we should have basically married ourselves to that situation and show that part of the Muslim, peaceful Muslim world, listen, we're here to make good on what we did, and we're going to stick this thing out with you. So we're going to build schools, we're going to build hospitals, we're going to build all kinds of facilities. If you want to call it gentrification of Iraq, whatever you want to call it, I think that was our responsibility to do it. You take the situation in Afghanistan, again, the hunt for Osama bin Laden, and the fact that soldiers were thrust into this position, they were thrust into that position and that specific task because of 9-11. So that, that was the necessity that, that created someone like Chris Kyle. Does the actions of that person warrant hero status? Do we put Chris Kyle on a pedestal and call him a hero? Very simple in terms of approaching this from a movie standpoint and an entertainment standpoint. You go watch that movie. Whatever you leave that movie with, whatever the opinion you have when you leave that movie, how you view Chris Kyle, whether it's as a hero or something other than a hero, that's all on your view of life. You are entitled to it. And I don't really have a problem with it. If you think looking at someone like him and saying, you know what, we shouldn't glorify this. This is not what we're looking to glorify. I respect your opinion. If you're someone else and says, you know what, this is what an American hero is. Someone who sacrifices, puts his life on the line for the safety of others. And you know what, he killed all of those people he killed deserve to die. They were going to bring harm to others. And you know what? Thank God for someone like Chris Kyle. Again, you're entitled to that opinion. In terms of whether or not the public at large and people should have a battle over whether or not this guy is a hero, a villain. And I know, you know, Seth Rogen put up a comment that, you know, this kind of reminds me of the movie that was within the story in Glorious Bastards about the Nazi sniper. And a lot of people got mad at Seth Rogen. And Seth Rogen then tried to justify it by saying, oh my God, all I said was, doesn't that movie kind of remind you of the movie 
within the movie Inglorious Bastards, only about a German sniper. Here's the problem with what Seth Rogen said, at least from my opinion. Seth and everybody out there, whenever you make a comparison to Nazis or to Hitler's Germany, you are making a comparison to the most incarnate evil we have probably ever known in the modern world. We have to stop making comparisons to Hitler's Germany. I think we need to look at Hitler's Germany as a standalone event and stop comparing things to it. Stop trying to be so profound in your comparison to Hitler's Germany to try to make a point about how something reminds you of something else. I I really think gas chambers, Nazi soldiers, and that event is something that should be a standalone event and don't compare it to anything. Whenever you do, you're making a comparison to maybe the greatest evil we've ever known in modern times. So I, I think Seth Rogen, when you, if you're saying, well, you know, it kind of reminds no. You got to really choose your words better there. You really have to look at what you're drawing a comparison to and say, this movie's like that movie. Be careful, man, because, you know, you're, you're pointing to someone and saying, that guy's kind of like the Nazi sniper in the other movie, only he's a Nazi and this guy's an American. You can't then justify it by saying, well, he's an American. I don't mean it the same way. No. So that's the first thing. And I know the people that are mad at Seth Rogen and said, you know what, I'm done with Seth Rogen. People in Hollywood are morons, this and that. I understand their frustration and anger towards you. I really do, Seth. And I, I can't say it's completely misplaced because, you, you, you know, whenever you people go to make that comparison, I, I think it's a bad one to use. I, I've always said it. With regards to people saying this is an American hero and, you know, he ultimately saved American lives, you know, again, it's it's what your definition of hero is. And to me, I think you have to have multiple definitions of hero and it can't just be limited to soldiers and people that put their lives on the line. And I think that's the problem. I think when people say that's a hero, I, I think the automatic reaction to that is, so then the only thing that's a hero for you is someone who puts their life on the line and kills someone else. And I think that's unfair too, because I think we have a lot of different types of heroes. I think school teachers are heroes in many ways. I think, listen, for whatever reason in this country, athletes are looked upon as heroes. People that you know, are able to accomplish physical feats for some reason blow away the minds of a lot of people in this country and say, that's a hero. I mean, I, I know people that were in love with Lance Armstrong. I know people that were, you know, that are in love with LeBron James and think, oh my God, you know, it's amazing what he can do. And, and football players and athletes, I never got that. To me, I look at doctors that are able to cure diseases as heroes. I look at certain scientists and the discoveries. I think there's a lot of people out there that deserve hero status i'd rather not use the word hero i don't like the word hero 
I just like to say, you know what? There's a lot of people that are great at doing their job, that committed themselves to something and are great at doing it, and let's recognize them for being great at what they do. I think the word hero is overused. I think it's misused, and I think because of it, we've lost its value. I'm, and I'm going to – here's another word that I'm going to throw at you that gets used and, and it's now lost its meaning and it drives me crazy and there's a comedian that does a great joke about it. Um, the word blessed, B-L-E-S-S-E-D, blessed. And you see all the time, hashtag blessed. And there are people out there that find themselves to be blessed – for just the most mundane, ordinary things in life. And to me, a blessing is something that is bestowed from God. It's something that comes from a higher power. Okay, so the fact that you are able to secure a job after going to college or finishing your degree and, you know, I got the job I've always wanted. I'm so blessed. No, you're fortunate. You worked hard. You put in the effort and you got it. That's fortune. That's that's good luck. That's, you know, hard work. But that God, that there was divine intervention in making that happen. Again, I, I think we're really... I, I think our society has gotten to a point because we're we, we don't have a command for our own language. I think we are misusing words and I think our misuse of words is creating all of the problems we have in communicating with one another in understanding one another. And it's why you have all of the animosity and the sarcasm and the snarky remarks and everything that we're seeing back and forth. And it brings me back to my point with the Twitter and the Facebook and everything with regards to the storm and the reactions and then this and that. I, I think we really need to go back and learn our own language. I really think we need to learn how to talk to each other again in person. I think social media has taken us to such a dangerous place because the written word seems to only have the tone and inflection that the reader wants to take from it. And I, I think that's dangerous. It's one thing to watch a movie like American Sniper and make your own decision about who that person is to you and how you relate to that person. And taking the written word of someone else and putting your own tone and inflection on it, two different things. And we need to stop doing that. We need to go back to communicating in person, on the phone, this Twitter, Facebook thing, this social media thing, this responding to threads and commenting is getting so dangerous in this country. Um, I, I think we're really in, in a dangerous place. And, and the anger that's being shown is, is kind of scary. The, the, the sarcasm, the retorts, the, the bitterness... You know what? Let, let's go back to talking to one another. Let's go back to picking up the phone. And, and maybe we need to stop with the social media for a while um, because we're all misunderstanding each other. We're all giving meanings to words that I don't think they should have. 
I think we're all redefining words in our own head and our own mind. I think we're all reading words and taking the definition out of context. I, I think we try to make bigger things out of certain use of words to suit our lifestyle, to make ourselves feel more important. I don't know. That's just my thought. Um, I, I think this was a fun podcast. I think I hit some fun things here. I think I hit some fun topics. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. I hope everyone was safe from the storm. Um, so we're, we're shifting gears back into some news, back into some social commentary. Hopefully you guys are enjoying it. Lindsay Everett, Gary Warner, some of the people that are putting comments, Cisco Leon, I love the comments. I love the feedback. Please keep them coming. Um, spread the word. You know, Share the podcast. Let everyone know what I'm talking about out there. Thank you and be safe, everyone. Vince August.